All right, guys. Colin and I just recorded this episode uh, covering the Reese's Senior Bowl that's coming up this week. And just for clarification purposes, as I went to edit the episode, I realized that I called it the Hershey, or the, uh, Hershey Senior Bowl the entire episode. Um, so please realize that, A, I'm not talking about something else, and B, that I'm not just a big idiot. Um, I just wanted to let you know before you get too deep in this episode and wonder what we're talking about. Welcome to a sweet edition of Campus Life, our weekly college-focused episode here on Campus Ducanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And in case you couldn't tell from that little intro bit, we are going to be talking some Hershey's Senior Bowl today. Um, So figured it was as good of an intro as any. Um, And since we're on that theme, Colin, favorite candy? Favorite candy? I'm a big Take Five fan. I like the I like the crunch that you get with the pretzels in there too. Um, so it's I mean more or less like a chocolate covered pretzel, but it's got a little bit of caramel in there too, a little bit of nougat. It's got a little bit of everything. I'm not gonna lie, I've never had a Take Five bar. Really? No, no. Definitely, definitely recommend. I don't definitely eat that much recommend. chocolate. That's like um, I'm I'm weird like that. I was like the weird kid that like didn't eat dessert and stuff. I you know. Um, but I do, I, I do really like um, like Hershey peanut butter cups. Those are like my my weakness. The bit the bigger the better. They have those ones now. Like they keep making them bigger, and they have them for like Monster different cups. holidays and stuff. Yeah, I'd like that. That's probably my guilty pleasure. Um, anything with peanut butter, really. But um, yeah, I, I don't get me wrong. I like a nice peanut butter cup too. But I like I like a take five. It's got a little bit of everything. I have to go. I have to look for one of those now. Um, I've been trying to diet here in January, so. That's fair. This, this conversation wasn't very helpful um, <laughs> in, the, in the grand scheme of that. Um, but okay, so let's just hop right in here. Um, like we said, we're talking Senior Bowl this week um, because the game is next weekend, um, but possibly the more important part of it is the practices, which are going to be happening during the week here. Um, I'm hoping work isn't too crazy this week, so I can at least keep up with some of that because um, I, do, I do really like to follow along with what's going on there. Um, but so we'll probably do a preview show tonight and then we probably won't dedicate the entire next show to like a recap of, you know, who played well, who played poorly, but we'll probably spend a decent, uh, decent portion of that show, uh, maybe revisiting, you know, what we said this week and whether it ended up being right or wrong. Um, and then just, you know, uh, if somebody has, has moved up or down for us based on the week. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I mean, you, you want to address it a little bit beforehand. So that way it's all not just revisionist history, but yeah. Yeah, um, we will definitely go back and edit out all the things we got wrong. On this we do show. that every episode. Yes, yeah. exactly. So uh, <laughs> perfect. All right, so let's our, our first discussion here, and we we broke this the show down into three parts, but we're going to kind of intermingle them because there's some overlap in terms of answers that we gave. Um, but the three main topics for us tonight, uh, number one is we want to just talk about who our top guys kind of at each position are uh, entering the week. Uh, two, we want to talk about players that have the most to gain from this week. And then three, we wanted to talk about players that have the most to lose from this week. Um, so there's going to be some debate, I think, in terms of um, in terms of what we think. And we didn't we tried not to highlight the Bama guys too much because we know like Mac Jones, Najee and Devonta Smith are all there. Um and those are easy guys to talk about because everybody's talking about them. But we wanted to talk about some of the other names as well outside of those guys. Yeah, I mean, especially for the first segment where you know, we're talking a little bit about our top guy at each position. 
Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but the, the each of the Bama guys for me would be the top guy at each position. So out of all of the people who are invited, Mac Jones would be my top QB, Najee my top running back, and Devonta my top uh, wide receiver. So we're not going to really mention them at all in this seg- in this part of the segment, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Those are obvious guys. Everybody's talking about them. You don't need to listen to another 20 minutes of a podcast talking about those guys. So let's just hop right in. Colin, you have Kyle Trask listed as your top quarterback coming into the week. Yeah. So he's, he's my QB six overall right now, which I, I mentioned before, but it's a, he's got a pretty tentative hold on that. I mean, it's not because I love Trask by any means. It's more just a kind of like a jumbled mess of guys after the top five there. So yeah, he's, he's my highest rated guy there for sure. And I don't know if he's going to drop from that spot just because he's a very safe prospect. I think he's, uh, he's the type of player. He's not really going to like blow you away. He's not going to win you games or make a bad team better, but he's the type of quarterback that'll be a serviceable game manager. He's not really going to lose you many games and he can win with a good team. And that type of a quarterback does seem to frequently get shots at starting. So as far as like the other quarterbacks outside my top five go, I think he has the best chance to be a starter, especially earlier in his career. So I don't know if he's going to drop from six for me. I'll have to finish up some of the other tape studies this offseason and everything. But like I said, he's the top of that jumbled tier for me right now. Yeah, I don't want to um to make it sound like when I when we talk through Trask here a little bit that I like I respect that he was this low rated kid, basically didn't play at all in high school because he was stuck behind um Derek King. King. Um and basically is like this self-made, like hard working dude that that started for Florida this year and almost made it. They made it to an SEC championship game and kept him in it against against Bama. They probably gave Bama the toughest game that they had this year. So I don't want to make it sound like um you know, I dislike the kid or, you know, anything like that. I just don't think he's very good, to be honest. I don't think he has like any NFL qualities or very few NFL qualities outside of maybe accuracy. Um, so I do want to see what he does this week outside of kind of the structure of Florida um, and just see what he can do with some of these weapons, I guess. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be really interesting is to see him get out of um, that system, get out of Dan Mullen's offense and, you know, just see what he can do there. Now, I I do think Kyle Trask has some some solid NFL uh, traits. I think he's a very good rhythm passer. I think he's really good inside the structure of the offense when he can get into his three or five step drop. You know, he reads the defense pretty well, you know, typically finds the first or second read just more based on the offense. Uh, but he can go through progressions to find the right read. He's typically a good decision maker. Um, now I'm not really holding that last game against Oklahoma, that bowl game against him too much. I know he had a, a couple picks there. He really didn't look that great. But he was playing without a lot of his weapons, and I don't even know why he was really playing in that game to begin with, other than the fact that he seems like just a really strong competitor, and a guy who loves the game of football. So I'm not going to hold that game against him too much. I still think he's a solid decision maker. Um, I think he has good footwork in the pocket too on his drops, pretty good mechanics overall, a nice release. Um, so when he's inside a structure, when you keep him clean, you know, he can he can be a very solid quarterback. But the problem is he doesn't do a whole lot 
outside of structure and he can't really extend plays very well. Doesn't have NFL caliber like mobility. Doesn't have a good enough arm either. It's definitely below average. It's I have in my notes here, it's not disqualifying for me, but it's very close. So I don't really have like a set. I know you mentioned on one of our other shows, you have like Joe Burrow is your minimum threshold quarterback arm. Yeah. I don't have it. I don't have anything like that set yet. Um, but he's, he's, he's right there for me. If it's not disqualifying. Yeah. I, I have his arm as disqualifying. Um, my big problem is with him is yeah, like he's he's smart, um, but like I wish he was bad mechanically because then maybe his arm strength could improve a little bit more or something. You know what I mean? Like if I was watching some and there was there was something off about that, then I could say maybe you know if he gets that fixed, he can get some some more oomph behind the ball. Because like I like I don't think his arm strength is NFL quality. And the thing is, I think that he thinks his arm is NFL quality. Like he does yeah. not realize his limitation there at all. He, there was a lot of times I watched him both last year and this year where he will go to make some sort of a pass. Like uh, he'll be like rolling right. And then he'll try to make this like 30 yard pass to, to the opposite hash. And like that ball hangs up there so long that it's, like they, they didn't get picked off a lot because usually he was going to Kyle Pitts and Pitts would make him look good on it. Yeah, but like the, the, in the NFL, not only like your receiver gets killed and that ball's going the other way. Like it, so that that's yeah. like the thing about him that I he he did it a lot. Like it wasn't once or twice. He does it like once a game. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. He he tries to be a gunslinger and he's just not. So. Yeah, I I don't like I said I don't love Trask, but he's definitely still the highest of my of my guy, other guys that are going to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, so I have him as my QB seven right now, and he is in a tier. He's at the top of the tier, but he's in a tier with Sam Ellinger, Shane Bouchelle, and Kellen Mond. They're all kind of together as guys that like maybe something if they have a lot of circumstances that work out really well for them, then then maybe I could see something happening. Um, Trask is not my top rated guy that's at the game. It's mine's a Jamie Newman. Um, and I first just look like, want to get on the record that like, I don't love Jamie Newman. Um, <laughs> I have him like graded. So I have Mac Jones. Okay. So Mac Jones is technically my top guy, but like we said, we're not right. We're not including him because Mac Jones is straddling my tier two and tier three right now, which means that I view him as like a low end QB two, high end QB three for fantasy purposes in the NFL, which is like not a guy I want to actually own in fantasy at all, unless it's like my third QB because I don't like those guys don't hold jobs for that long. Like, right, that's like a kind of guy where you're talking about like when do they draft the replacement? So that's <laughs> not a great spot to be in. And if Mac Jones is like straddling that line between tier two and tier three he's got like 75 percent of his body leaning into tier two i've got jamie newman like the opposite direction like he's leaning harder into tier three and that's where i have him ranked but like they aren't that far apart and at value where you're going to be getting them in rookie drafts this year i would way rather have newman because i think he has a lot of the tools that we want in a starting nfl quarterback now the odds are that maybe he's Maybe there's less of a chance that he ever st really starts games in the NFL, but I like his tools a lot more than Mac Jones. And so I'm almost happier to have that on my teams. Yeah, I'm 
I, I get what you're saying with Newman. Um, and, you know, I don't want to jump too much ahead because I do have him as my quarterback with the most to gain, which we can well, talk we'll about. We'll talk about that here. Yeah, we can talk about that here. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. I mean, I think he's, like I said, I think he's got the most to gain from this week. Um, you know, obviously we haven't seen him this year. but So, and I, I kind of like what I saw with him. I like his tools a lot. I'm definitely with you there. But, and does he just struggle with accuracy? Yeah. He's very erratic at times. And, I mean, he had multiple games last year where he was sub 50% accuracy, which is just, that's borderline. Like, can he even fix this? So I don't know. And I don't know if that's something he'll be able to fix with, but not only that, he struggles with decision-making times as well. Like he doesn't throw the, doesn't make the best decisions throwing the ball. So I don't know if I see him being a, an NFL caliber quarterback. I mean, you kind of have to bet on a Josh Allen like rise for him to be a starting NFL quarterback in my eyes. And I don't want to bet on another guy to do that. <laughs> I, I didn't pick Allen to do it. I'm not going to pick Newman to do it either. So Newman is a guy that I'm intrigued by, but, and I have him in this class as my QB eight. Um, so he's behind Trask. And then I have Davis Mills, Jamie Newman, and this is like all one tier here. So I have Trask, um, Mills, Newman, Mond, and Ellinger all in that tier. So like so, I said, it's just a jumbled mess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he he is the guy out of anybody in college this year that I think got hurt the most by opting out. And I don't I don't blame anybody for opting out. I mean, a lot of these guys had to do what was best for their their families. I mean, what like Carl Anthony Towns has lost like five family members or something to it. Like yeah. it, it's not something to like mess around with. So I I'm not um I'm not I'm not knocking the guy or holding it against him or like upset that he that he opted out. But he more than anybody be, if with transferring to Georgia this year from Wake Forest, I just really wanted to see him in a different offensive system. Because I think like I agree with everything you just said about him, but I also think that that Wake Forest offense did not do him very many favors where basically their offense was for the passing offense was either RPO and it was like pull the ball out quick, hit like a slant or something real quick. That's just like a read that's just first read built into the offense, or it was hold onto the ball for forever. Heave it downfield. Those were kind of his two options, which I don't think necessarily um, were the best thing to showcase what he can do because like, the things that he does really like he he's such a toolsy guy, but he only averaged like seven point nine yards per attempt. Yeah, like that's that not yeah, that's not how you want to be using him at all. And I understand why they did it because they had like they ran a lot of RPO stuff because he's like this big bruising. Like he more than most other quarterbacks I've seen over the past uh, ten years since Cam Newton came out runs like Cam Newton, yeah. like in terms of like that punishing, like not that shifty um, kind of guy. Like that's his style. So I did, I just am so disappointed that we didn't get to see him at all this year. Like, cause then we would have known either way. Like if he ended up getting beaten, beaten out by JT Daniels, then we know he's not that guy, but like that, that a little bit of allure is in the back of your, of your head that he, maybe he can do something in the NFL. The one thing that I do want to see how he does, and I'm hoping that he gets some solid game time is that I, he gets, he is not great because of what the system was. I think he's never had to learn it. He can't really move off a of first read that well. Yeah. It's just really not something that he was either a asked to do or be good at doing from what I watched. Um, and as a result, if it's not there, he gets overwhelmed by the pass rush very pass pass rush very easily. I want to see some development in that regard 
this week where if some of these edge guys are getting after him, he can do a little something in the pocket. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, in my notes too, I have struggles going through progressions. If his first read isn't there, he often will will run. Um, you know, so I, he definitely needs to improve in pretty much all of the mental areas of the game. Um, and then again with accuracy too as well. So I get what you're saying with the tools there. Um, you know, and I think, you know, he had that year off. So maybe he was really working um, you know, with a with a quarterback expert. Um, I haven't really looked into that that much. I want maybe he was working with Quincy Avery. I, he was working with one of those guys that does a lot of QB training stuff, but yeah. I don't remember which guy it was. To be completely okay. honest, well, I know Lance was working with Avery. He was, yeah, yeah, but he he works with a couple different guys. So I don't. I I want to say I saw that, but I, I don't quote me on that. Okay, so yeah, like I said, I'm sure he was putting in some work. So you know, I'd be very interested to see you know, how, how he's progressed since opting out. And I know he never really, like he opted out like fairly early in the process, but yeah. part of me thinks part of the reason he opted out is because of Daniels going there. I think he kind of saw the writing on the wall that Daniels was going to be the guy there once he got healthy. So, and I haven't seen anything to confirm or deny that. That's just kind of like my own thoughts yeah. on it. But there was a big opportunity there though, with him being out early in the year. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, they started Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis for what, five games, six yeah. games? Like, and those guys are both crap. Like, I have a hard time believing that he, like, he, he at least had a chance. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Um, so I, I do hope that he plays really well this week. Um, but he's my top guy going into these things. Yeah. Um, like I said, running, if he does look really good, I think he has the most to gain. Yeah. I think if he looks really good, he can climb up some rankings. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, so running back wise, our top guys coming into this, I think we, oh no, actually we don't have the same top guy. So you have Michael Carter. Yes. Michael Carter is my top guy that at the running backs here. And, um, he's actually, he's right in a tier with Ramondre Stevenson and Trey Sermon. And now Trey Sermon, when we were looking at this, I saw he had accepted an invite, but he doesn't appear on any of the rosters. So, um, I, I guess he's not going now. Uh, I'm not really yeah, sure. I, I'm assuming that injury in the national championship. Game. Yeah, knocked him out. Uh, I don't even. Maybe he's going down for the week just to hang out. I don't know, but yeah. I, I, I'm assuming he's not playing at this point. Yeah, that would make sense there. But so all three of those guys are, are right in the same tier there with me, and Jamar Jefferson's right in that too. But not he's not there. But um, so I want Carter's the guy I have at the top of the tier there. So I went with Carter. Now he's definitely obviously the smallest of the group, you know, five, eight, one ninety nine, doesn't really have the full, um, you know, three down workhorse build there. Like I'd be very surprised if he was, you know, obviously won't be a three down guy. Um, but he's, he, I, I love everything else that he does extremely fast, you know, home run threat. He gets top speed quickly as well. And he's a very smooth athlete too. He's got some wiggle to him, makes guys miss. Um, you know, and then I love his pass catching ability too. catches the ball really well. He looks very natural. So I think at worst case scenario, he'll carve out a third down back role, uh, which if you play PPR fantasy, which I think most people do now, like that's still a valuable role. You know, I think he can carve out a nice James White ish type of a role on a team and be a very productive fantasy running back, which is why I have him above some of these other guys is because I think his floor is very high. Um, 
Yeah, I right. wish they were doing athletic testing this week too to make up for the lack of combine because he is one of those guys where I really, really wanted to see some combine numbers from him um, because if he doesn't hit some speed burst agility thresholds and you start getting a little concerned right. about him um, because I think like his ceiling and maybe it's just, uh, you know, I've got that that helmet, that jersey in my mind is like Gio Bernard. Like he reminds me a lot of Gio Bernard. Yeah, I think that's um, good. As like a guy that can't that can be like a, a second back on a roster, and then like if a guy gets hurt, he can fill in for a week or two, um, and so add some extra value that way. Um, he's my second rate or second ranked. If we're not including Sermon, he is my yeah. He's my second guy that's there this week. Um, and yeah, I think he's like got like flex upside as a player in the NFL for fantasy teams. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just easy to see a role for him. I think that's why I like I like him and why I have him um, higher. He's my RB7. Same. Uh, Same. Um, and, yeah. And I have him higher than a guy like um, like Chuba Hubbard, which I know we've had yeah. this discussion, like how I feel about Chuba, but like the, you, you just made a really good point there where like if Chuba doesn't go to the right, right landing spot, like what is his role? He's yeah. not an early down guy. Like he's not a great pass catcher. So yeah. like – what does he do that gets him on a field? Like Michael Carter, you can at least say, you know, even if he gets drafted like this, the fifth or sixth round, you're like, this guy is probably going somewhere to catch a few passes and, yeah. and you know, see what else he can do there. Right. And like I said, he just, the role that he's going to have is also fantasy relevant too. Cause you get guys like Gio who puts up some solid weeks. You get James White puts up some solid weeks. Tariq Cohen, Theo Riddick was a thing for a little while. So, you know, rostering a guy like that you know you can just use him as a flex filling like you were saying there and you know he's got upside for more if there's an injury he can step in and handle a decent amount of carries there because he handled a lot of carries at um at unc there i mean he had 177 carries last year 156 carries this year so he had a pretty solid workload yeah i never look at him and think he's like like i don't look at him and go that guy is tiny Right, you know, so um, I, I think he can do it in the NFL. I don't, I don't really have that many doubts about it. Like I said, I just wish we had that at those some of those athletic numbers to uh, make me feel a little bit better about taking him places. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I mean, I think he's going to test well, but obviously, you don't know until you see it. Um, and I think his burst score is going to be more. It's going to be something you'll you'll want to see a little bit more. I don't doubt his speed score is going to be good, uh, yeah. but the burst score is a little bit more questionable. Yeah. Well, another guy that's going to have a really nice speed score is Ramondre Stevenson, who is my top back here. He is running back four for me right now. Um, and he's in a tier with Javante Williams, Trey Sermon, and Kenny Gainwell, where I think a little bit of draft capital, a little bit of landing spot um, is going to go a long way toward maybe separating some of those players out from each other. Um, I, I I like Stevenson a lot. I mean, I know like I famously like on Debbie debate, called him too big and then like the next week had to apologize because i sat down and watched him and, and really liked him um and i think at this point most people kind of know his story i mean he's like a few former juco kid he was one of the highest rated juco transfer running backs over the past several years i really think since like alvin kamara yeah. he's been in, in the rotation at oklahoma the past few years but oklahoma doesn't really do bell cows they they rotate three or four guys um i think mostly just because they have a lot of talent there and they just want to get all these guys on the field um, the good things about Ramondre, he moves so freaking well for a guy that's six foot two forty seven. Yeah. And you you can't even say like he doesn't look like he's two forty seven because he does, but he just moves 
so well for it that you kind of ignore it. Um, and he does have some pass catching chops. I think he can be a three down guy in the NFL if teams view him as a running back. Um, the like my big thing about him is that I just want to see him lose some of the weight. Right. And it's not because it's like holding him back necessarily, but like 247, like he doesn't have to be 247. He's carrying, like, if you look at him, he just looks like a chubby guy out there. <laughs> he has a lot of bad weight on him. And yeah. I think like losing, like it doesn't even have to, he doesn't have to get down to like 220 or anything. If he lost 10 pounds, showed that he was serious about like football, about losing weight, about getting into shape. And because then I, I can't imagine that his athletic numbers would suffer at all. No. Uh, so I, that's like the only thing that I want to see out of him. But I think he can still operate at 247. It's just like not that advisable. Right. And that's, I'm right there with you. And, and actually, sorry, I had, uh, I have Michael Carter at six cause I forgot I have Zamir white crossed out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Carter Williams actually at six and then Stevenson's at seven. Um, but now I'm with you there. I think the thing that holds me back with Stevenson is like, you're saying like that weight, like, are they going to view him as a running back at the next level at that size? Or is he going to be more of like an H back? So I think if, if over the off season here, you know, as he's training for the NFL draft and, you know, you wish you would have been training for the combine, but obviously not doing that now. But if he's loses about 10 pounds in weight there, like you said, it's, he has a lot of bad weight. So I think his athletic testing numbers would probably go up if he loses some weight there. Um, so I, th- and then if he loses that weight, it's down to, you know, 235, you know, right in that range. You know, now, now you can see him being more of a running back for sure. And you, there's less questions about him moving to like an H back or fullback type. Yeah. The, ni- the nice thing is I think we'll know based yeah. on where he gets drafted, like not like landing spot wise, just like round wise. Like we're, we're going to know whether teams view him as a running back or if they don't based on right. how early he goes. So we'll have that information presumably when we go to do our um, rookie drafts or if it's a C2C, you know. Because um, he's a guy that I see moving in a lot of C2Cs right now. Um, you just dealt for him? Yeah, yeah. I just made a trade for him. Um, I traded uh, Terrace Marshall, um, John Emery Jr., and EJ Smith for uh, Jermaine Burton, Rondre Stevenson, and Penny Boone. Um, and I was willing to move Marshall because I already have Lamb and Pittman and Judy and I have the one, two and the one, three this year. So I'm probably going to end up with, you know, two of chase, uh, waddle and, um, Smith just because of who's available on our side. Cause it is, it's a two copy league. Um, and on our side, Trevor Lawrence is going to be available in the rookie draft. So he's, you know, going one, one, but none of the other quarterbacks are really available. So, well, Wilson is actually, cause you have Wilson and you're on the other side of Wilson. Yeah. 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 And he's um, actually like in a couple other in my leagues, like either he's been moved already or he's on the block. So like he seems like a popular um, trade target right now. And I think on both sides, because I think people that have him are like hedging yeah. that like they're selling him for maybe a little cheaper than he could go for. Because if he ends up becoming an H back, then you get like nothing for him. And people are buying him at that price because they're like, if he becomes a running back, then now like uh, I've added this piece to my team that's probably worth more than I paid for him. So he's definitely like a, a hot commodity uh, before the draft here. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, the reason I made I made the move mostly for Burton. That was a guy that I wanted. Uh, but I was definitely very happy to get Stevenson because my running backs are a little bit weaker at that spot. I mean, I have good top-end talent, but 
I need some depth. And I think he's got like a nice ceiling if he can show that he wants to be a running back. So, or can be a running back the next level. So I was happy getting him. And I have him as my guy that has the uh, most to gain from this week. And I listed him there uh, mostly because I just like, we haven't seen that many carries out of him over the past two years. Uh, His 2019 season played in all 13 games, but only had 64 carries and averaged eight yards a touch and six touchdowns. So the dude was very efficient on what he was doing. And then this past year, he played in six games, had 101 carries uh, for a 6.6 average and seven touchdowns. So I just like the more reps we can see out of this guy and the NFL teams can see out of him, I think he has a big chance to um, boost or solidify value uh, this week. Right. Well, I think the biggest one of the biggest question marks with him is because he got suspended at the end of the 2019 season and then through the first five games of 2020. So, you know, you obviously kind of want to make sure that that all checks out first and that there wasn't anything. I it's think it was weed. a violation. Of- it's weed. It was weed. So was I think okay. I, I think by this point teams like, yeah. don't care about it. I thought I saw it was a, a positive test, but I didn't see what it was for. Yeah, it was him and one or two other guys on the team. Uh, all got all tested yeah. positive for THC or whatever. Um, okay, yeah. I didn't. I saw. I didn't know if it was PEDs or THC. I just I remember seeing positive test. Um, but yeah, so at that point, I mean, because they part of the new collecting of a bargaining agreement for the NFL was like relaxed testing for that, wasn't it? Something like that. I don't. I don't remember what that policy is, but um, yeah, I think yeah. they lax. I think they got more lax on it now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, I think the only thing teams worry, like wonder about is like, why are you so stupid to be caught? Like at that, like yeah. before your bowl game or whatever, yeah. like the, I guess that was the college football playoff semifinal. So that's like the only yeah. question there, I think. So um, definitely worse things than that. So let's see here. Wide receiver. So I know you said, I guess I'll talk about my guy first since you said he is your top guy, but yeah. you're letting me talk about him because he's a guy yeah, that I, He's like, yeah, well, he's the guy that you had turned me on to, um, you know, I didn't, I knew the name or whatever, but you know, I knew he's, he's one of your guys and he has been for a while. So, um, he would be my top guy. Well, Smith, Devonta Smith, but then after that, he would be my top guy, but I'll let you run with this. Cool. So, yeah. So my top guy that's going to be here this week outside of Devonta Smith is Sage Surratt, uh, the Wake Forest wide receiver. Um, and he is my wide receiver nine. I I really like Sage Surratt. I think I like him. I don't want to say like I like him more than anybody else I see because I have seen like one or two people that have him like wide receiver like four or five. And that's, that's like that's a little too high for me. I think second round NFL is like what his his a nice spot for him would be because I don't think he's any like he he's close in size to Michael Pittman Jr. was last year. And I don't think he moves any worse than Michael Pittman. And he went to the Colts at what pick 40 something, 45 or something like that. Yes. Yeah. So I like, I don't like, I think that's about the range that he's going to go. And I don't think he, he goes any worse than that. Um, I, he opted out this year. He's another guy that didn't play at all. Um, so I think he has a lot to gain. I don't think I put him down as like, I don't think either of us did, did we? No, no neither of us got him. As, yeah, but but I think he does have a lot to gain this week just because people haven't seen him play in a year. Um, I I think he's a better route runner than people want to give him credit for. I think he's 
he's physical against man and he's smart against zone. Um, he's really good against zone like that. He is probably one of the smartest guys in this class at just being able to identify when there's zone coverage and then where the hole in that coverage is. And he settles down in it pretty darn well. Um, he is a pretty decent off the line, in my opinion, he's, he gets corners on his hip better than you would think he would for a guy his size. Um, he's a smoother athlete, not that, not not very sudden. Um, but but I think all those things, like people want to say, like he's you know just a jump ball guy, like I, and I think he's a little bit more than that. Um, but he does, he you know he's good in contested catch situations. He has a really big catch radius. Um, he can get physical with corners if he has to. Something that I noticed when I was watching him that I love is that he gets two feet in a lot of the time, um, which like it's not really emphasized in college. So I just I think it stands out to me when guys do that because it, they're already trying to learn how to do that. Chris Olave is the same way. He gets two yeah. feet in all the time. Um, so that that's just something I like to see. Um, and the only bad things I really have to say about Sage Surratt, um, he's j- he's not an elite, elite athlete. I think he tests okay at a pro day if he ends up doing one. Um, but I, he's not a burner by any stretch of the imagination. He's not that dangerous with the ball in his hands. Like that's just really not his game. He's like a possession guy um, or jump ball down the field. Um, and he's really good on releases where he needs to get like outside or downfield, but he struggles a little bit on inside releases um, like slants and crossers and stuff. He just doesn't always get free very quickly. So that, and I think it's, Hmm. I don't want to say it's an effort issue. I just think that he, like, he looks like he's not exploding into that, like he's comfortable right. doing on the outside. So I think reps where he gets to do that, and I hope that's something he's been working on, um, would benefit him greatly. Yeah, I was gonna say I think that that's like you said, not an effort thing, but I think it's more of like a little bit of technique. I don't, he doesn't just doesn't show the same burst, like you said, like he doesn't get off the line as quickly. Which one of the things I do have about him that's. Um, he needs it to improve with his release moves on off of the line. Um, he relies a little bit more on, you know, the physicality or like you said, like the outside releases where he can kind of get out of, on them. But um, yeah, no, I like Sage Surratt. Uh, he's my wide receiver 11 um, right now. Uh, so he's just outside the top 10, but I, I do like it. He's got one of those guys who has the prototypical size um, for, for like an alpha wide receiver, which there's not that many of them in this class. Um, mm-hmm. He's what six three two fifteen, So, you know, he could be that. I think your big, your comp to him a while ago was Allen Robinson, I think. Right. Yeah. And he's not quite the level of athlete Allen Robinson yeah. is, but like, I, I think he can do that in the NFL. Like yeah. he can be kind of like, I think he's a little bit quarterback proof with how his game is. And um, if he continues to develop, I think he can be that level of a consistent performer. Yeah, well, obviously he's pretty quarterback proof. I mean, he played with Jamie Newman, who we just kind of mentioned about his issues. And if if he would have went there this year, he would have had Sam Hartman, who that would have just been even worse. Well, and if you look um, at his splits with and without, or Newman splits with and without Surratt, um, Newman was terrible without yeah. Surratt. Like Surratt, Surratt kind of made him. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. I mean, if you, if you have to pick one of the two, I think I think Surratt made Newman more than vice versa. Yeah, and then obviously you hit the nail on the head there with his athletic profile being his biggest question mark. But that said, I don't think you necessarily need to be the best athlete to be the best NFL wide receiver. Because I mean, we mentioned before, but you look at DeAndre Hopkins wasn't a crazy athlete. Uh, Devontae Adams wasn't a crazy athlete. Keenan Allen 
Um, so I think if Sage Surratt can develop a lot more like the technical side of his game, I think he has like a nice ceiling. I think he can be a team's wide receiver one and potentially, you know, a higher end fantasy asset than some of the other guys that are that I have ahead of him right now. Yeah, I think at worst, like his career kind of looks like what James Washington's has looked like recently for the Steelers, like the wide receiver three on an offense that like helps move the chains, scores the occasional touchdown, but isn't like a mega producer. Um, and like, so I, yeah, th- that's a good player. Um, yeah. And that's a good floor. I think, yeah. I think that's like his floor is a James Washington type yeah. guy. I think he has a higher ceiling than that. I'm not going to put him on the, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, a Rob Keenan Allen spectrum there of, of guys that I think he could be. I think, I don't know if he'll necessarily ever hit that, but I think he can be, you know, like a light version of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. Um, so you have um, Kadarius Tony as your top guy <laughs> after Devonta Smith and after yeah. Sage Surratt. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, Kadarius Tony's only one spot behind Sage Surratt for me right now. He's my wide receiver 12. So that's why I didn't have any problem letting you take Surratt and, you know, kind of run with it. Like I said, that was your guy. Um, so you know, I'll I'm I'll happily talk about my wide receiver twelve instead of my wide receiver eleven, um, but I really like what Tony brings to the game, just from his versatility standpoint. Uh, they use him in the backfield, they use him in the slot, they use him in motion, and I, I do like guys that are either really dominant at one thing or they can be you know versatile and you can use them in a couple different ways. Um, and like I said, you know, he had that experience as a running back, so he looks good in the backfield at times, like a Curtis Samuel type guy uh, who we're seeing him, you know, he had a big uh, end, a nice end of the year this year. Um, so, you know, you can be productive with that profile there. And this was his first full season at wide receiver. So obviously he doesn't have the technical side down yet. He is going to need to work on that. But I think he showed flashes of being uh, of things that you want to see in a good route runner. You know, obviously he's sharpening out of his breaks because he's a very explosive athlete. Um, and I think he ran a decent amount of routes this year. You know, he did run a lot of screens and a lot of flies, but there he showed enough. You know, there was a couple corner routes that you'll see. You'll see some out routes and stuff like that. So it wasn't something he did a ton of, but there's some tape of him doing it. Um, and I think he used double moves pretty effectively as well on the outside. You know, that's probably one of the things that got him uh, got him going on some of those deep balls. So I like Tony. I, he definitely has the potential to develop, but I think he also has like a nice floor as more of a gadgety guy as well, just based on his speed, you know, his athleticism and his experience, you know, uh, as a running back as well. Yeah. So I, I, um, I'm not very high on Kadarius Tony and I get like all of what you're saying. And I like agree with your assessment. I think where we're going, where we differ a little bit is that I just don't really ever bet on those guys to ever do anything in the NFL. I think it's pretty rare. Um, there's like one guy in college at a time, Max, that I think can do that because like you have, you have like a Kadarius Tony, you have a Wandale Robinson, you have an Aeneas Smith, like you have a bunch of these guys in college that that's kind of their skill set. And Tony is not the guy that I'm betting on to do it. Um, I just don't think that like Florida's wide receiver room has not been stacked over the past few years. No, it really hasn't. Like they, they had Van Jefferson 
who like didn't break it didn't break out until like late like they've had Trayvon Grimes they've had I mean I I think most people like when they're factoring these things talk about Kyle Pitts as if he is a receiver because yeah. the, a lot of the offense funnels through him but looking at his weighted dominator rating which all numbers that I use tonight in terms of weighted dominators are coming from Mr. Jarek Backus over on Twitter um, I subscribe to his Patreon. If you are not, I highly recommend it. Definitely uh, recommend. Yeah. So weighted dominator rating is I've, I don't want to misquote this, but I know basically, I think what Jarek says is he takes like 80% like yardage slash receptions and like 20% touchdowns, which is very similar to how I do it. Um, I weight touchdown even slightly less um, just because his tight touchdowns usually aren't sticky. They don't necessarily transfer from one year to the other, so I don't I don't usually like to use them. So that's why I, I like to use Jarek's weighted because I think he's one of the few guys out there that 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 does this how I like. Year one, six point one six percent weighted dominator rating. <laughs> year two, eight point eleven weighted dominator rating. Year three, four point five eight percent weighted dominator rating. He did not do shit until his fourth year there where he put up a 21.68% market share. Now I know that he like recently has really started adapting to that receiver position, but like if this guy is dangerous enough, you get him on the field early, especially with like the lack of other playmakers that they've really had at the position. Like they just haven't really been cranking those guys out. It's not Bama where you've had Judy Waddle Smith uh, rugs, like all these guys in front of you, you just, you just go through the list. So like that for like, I he's I will I will draft him zero places because he's going to go way earlier than I'm comfortable taking him, and I'm just not willing to bet on that that profile. I think I have him wide receiver. Let's see, I have him wide receiver. Where'd you go here? Fifteen. I have him right behind Tutu Atwell and Tamori and Terry, and right in front of Amari Rogers. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm just not banking on him doing anything in the NFL. Yeah, I mean that's definitely fair. Like you said, there's those guys haven't had a ton of hit rates, but you're starting to see more hit rates on guys like that. And I think you're starting to see the game move more towards like again, like either one guy is like a dominant guy in one specific role, or you're moving to a little bit more positionless football where you have guys like Curtis Samuel, you have guys like Paris Campbell, who I really, I was really high on Paris Campbell like this year with Philip Rivers. Like I thought he was going to do really well as like the checkdown role, and I mean you saw Naheem Hines kind of take that over. Um, but obviously Paris Campbell got hurt at the beginning of the year, so you know he didn't get to see him at all. Uh, but then you're seeing also guys like Debo and Ayuk, um, you know, who are operating more in like a little bit of a hybrid role. So I think you're starting to see a lot more teams you know, use a guy like that. So I think that Kadarius Tony is going to find a home in the NFL there. And like I said, you know, if he, it was his first full season at wide receiver. So he, if he can get down some of the technical sides of it, I think he could even be used more as a wide receiver and less gadgety, but I think his floor is as a gadgety player who can hit at some times. That's true. But, Maybe I'm just like behind what the, the you know, the <laughs> curveball is going to be there. I, I really don't know. Um, I just like, like those gimmick guys. Like I, I didn't like Paris Campbell. We might have talked about this on the show already. Like I didn't chart his games or anything, but as a senior, I can count on like one hand the amount of catches that he wasn't just like schemed wide open for. I don't think that prepares you for the NFL. Like I, it's very. Like, then you just become like really system dependent and landing spot dependent. And I'm just not sure. Like those are bets that I'm 
really trying to make anywhere. Like people want to, this is why, because then people come back. I mean, they say, well, you have Rondell Moore wide receiver one. I don't <laughs> think Rondell Moore is like that. Like, I think like they schemed him a lot because he was their best player and they wanted to get him the ball. But I think there were a lot of times where he caught stuff in the flow of the offense as well. And like, if Rondell Moore is SpongeBob, Kadarius Tony is Doodle Bob from that episode. That's like, <laughs> like that bizarro world version of him that's like really poorly drawn and like just screams the whole time because he can't talk. That that is like the comparison, but like there is no comparison between the two. There is a very obvious difference between the two. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, there's definitely a big difference between Moore and, and Tony there, and. Tony's profile, you know, analytically is definitely concerning, like you hit on. So like his, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of analytics guys be out on him. Um, but, you know, you're going to see a lot of film guys who are going to like him. Um, I think I even saw, I want to say I saw Matt Miller had him as his wide receiver four. Uh, I Not 100% on that, but I know he's very high on Kadarius Tony. So again, you're going to see film guys who like him. You're going to see analytics guys who don't, and I'm going to fall pretty much right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be an interesting case study in like five years, if which whichever direction that ends up going. Right. Um, so I think that clears out kind of our top guys for the week. Um, so let's go on to players that have the most to gain that we haven't already talked about because we talked about Jamie Newman a little bit already, and you told us why you thought that he has the most to gain for this week. I put Kellen Mond down for this, and we talked about him on the last show, so I'm not really going to hit on him that much here. I just am going to say that basically I think Texas A&M's offense in many ways was limiting, and I don't know like if they married scheme to player. Like I really don't know that. There's a very real possibility that they just knew what he could and couldn't do, and they only ran the stuff he could do. But I want to see him outside of that setting to see if he can push the ball downfield consistently, if he can, um, you know, work uh, in rhythm a little bit, um, and just do some other things that he doesn't, he didn't necessarily do over the past couple of years with the Aggies. Yeah, I, I definitely I get where you're coming from with most to gain there for sure. Like you said, I, I don't know. Texas A&M's offense, I don't think, did him any favors. Yeah. Um, but uh, my biggest problem with Mond, it, it, we, we talked about it before, is just he's a slow, slower processor, doesn't really anticipate well, and he has to see it and throw it. And then his, his and then his general accuracy is solid, but his ball placement he struggles with at times. You know, he has you see a lot of his receivers like having to make adjustments, reach behind them, or you know, reach up and and bring it in. So he gets it there, but I don't know if his accuracy is going to be good enough at the next level. He's definitely going to have to rein that in more. So if he can show you know that that is something that he can do, and I do think that some of his accuracy issues is tied to some of his spotty footwork because he just, he looks a little flat-footed at times um so i think maybe if he can clean that up that could help potentially but i don't know if we're going to see that at the senior bowl i think that's going to be something he's going to have to put in work throughout the rest of the off season for yeah so so i think he could rise at this like you say because of the scheme you know he'll be getting out of texas a&m's offense but i don't know if we're going to see him tear this up at all i think this is going to be something that he's going to have to work out through the off season yeah yeah practices are going to be bigger in the games for him yeah um uh, for sure um so you have a running back that has the most to gain i had ramondre we already talked about him so you have kylan hill why does kylan hill have the most to gain this week well i think kylan hill has a lot to gain because he lost a lot 
um, you know, people seem to be really high on him coming into this year. Um, you know, people were touting him off as a sleeper last off season, and then he kind of picked up momentum. And then when Mike Leach got there, everybody's like, oh, well, this, he's going to be Max Borgie over there. It's going to be the same thing. And, you know, obviously we didn't see that. He had some differences with Leach and he opted out what I think it was after two games, I think. Yeah, um, it was early. I don't remember exactly how many, but it, it wasn't yeah. many. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he didn't even look good in those games that he played. Um, so I think he has the most to gain because if he, he one, he's getting his name back out there and people are going to start to pay attention to him again. And two, I think if he can kind of capture some of that magic that he had from his junior year, you know, and show some of that off in the past in the practices, I think he can step up and climb some people's rankings here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. I'm not a big Highland Hill guy because um, he is like a tough physical runner and he has this like the frame and the size and everything to be a starting NFL running back, which really is the only thing sustaining him in my rankings because I don't think like for how big he is, he runs like sort of physical, but you don't see him move a ton of piles. Um, he's an, he really is close to like that. Like there's, there's a distinction between like plotter and then just like <laughs> not a great mover, but like still effective enough. And he's like very close to that edge in my opinion. Um, I think a full year under Leach where he was in space a lot more could have given us some more insight into that. But unfortunately we didn't get that. Um, and I just don't think he has great vision. Like I really don't think he does. And I think that's a absolute like killer for him. Like, yeah, I don't think you can have all three of those, those characteristics. Um, so yeah, I mean, but he does have a lot to gain from this week if he plays well. He also has a lot to lose. Yeah. Well, I, I think he, you're, you're pitting the nail pretty much on the head there with the vision. I do attribute some of that from his 2019 tape to, you know, the O-line kind of got blown up at times in some of the games. They just kind of got overmatched by some of the SEC D linemen. So I, I don't think that helped, um, but he does. And I think he, uh, in my notes, I have he has decent to solid speed. So he can get the edge on outside runs. You saw that and you saw him break off some chunks here and there, but there are usually, you know, 15 yard chunks, maybe 20 yard chunks. You don't see him hitting any big plays. And I don't think you're going to see him be a big play threat at all at the next level. So he's like, I get what you're saying, like kind of on the borderline with the plotter there. I, I would put him on the other side of that. I don't, I wouldn't consider him a plotter, but he's definitely not. I wouldn't call him explosive. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, closer to plotter than explosive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, that's like such a fine line and I'm sure the different teams and stuff kind of parse that out a little bit differently. Um, and she's just not my cup of tea. Um, so again, another guy that like, I don't want him before the fourth round in rookie drafts. And I have a feeling he's going to go earlier than that, depending on draft capital. So that's just not a guy that I'm going to draft a ton of this year. Yeah, I'm, I'll take him before the fourth. Um, you know, I'll probably take him in the third here. I have him right now as my RB15. And I had to do the math there because I crossed out two guys ahead of him that went back to school in Zamir White and Brian Robinson. I need to go back through and take those guys physically out of my sheets instead of just strike through. Um, 
but that's something for a later day. But so I have him at my RB 15, you know, so I'll take him maybe in the third rounds. Um, and, and I think he could climb a little bit there with his tier. Um, you know, but I don't, I don't see him climbing a lot higher than that. Cause I don't really adjust too much. I adjust within tier based on landing spot, but I don't have people jump tiers anymore. Um, you know, I just, so if he goes to a decent spot, he could climb a little bit. Um, but I think he's just a guy that's solid. He's not spectacular. He's just a guy who will be okay. And I think he'll stick around and lead for a while. Yeah. I, I have him at 13. Um, and I, I think there's like virtually zero chance that he moves anywhere upward. Um, just based on the guys I have in front of him. I just think they all have more upside than him. So, yeah, no, that's definitely fair. And I think, uh, well, I have CJ Maribel ahead of him. So, mm-hmm. and that's, that's one of my guys. So I'm yeah. sure that's a guy I have ahead of him that you don't. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Uh, I still haven't really like watched, watched Maribel. So, um, but I, I, I'm not sure if you'll end up that high for me or not. Um, yeah, so let's see here. Wide receiver, guys that have the most to gain this week. You put Austin Watkins Jr., who is a very interesting name this year. Um, so talk to me a little bit about him. Yeah, well, I mean, I know your guy Felix is a big Austin Watkins Jr. fan too, and I think he definitely has the most to gain out of this list here because he's, I mean, outside of Cade Johnson, who went to South Dakota State in an FCS school, you know, he's the probably one of the least heralded guys on the list. Somebody that not a lot of people probably pay attention to. So I think just from getting his name out there, he has a lot to gain, but he's also a guy that I like a lot too. Um, I have him right now as my wide receivers 16. I have him right behind Tamori and Terry. Um, so I, I like him a lot. He's, he's, and he's one of the few big body prototypical size wide receivers in this draft. Like we've been mentioning a little bit. So I think he's got that going for him where he could get taken a little bit earlier in the NFL draft than maybe you're ex- you would expect at this point. Um, but especially cause I think he's, I think he has some solid speed. I think he's going to probably be overall would be a mid four five guy, but obviously pro day numbers. I think you'll see him in the low four fives, which is going to give him probably a good speed score and a good burst score. So I think that that's going to help him a lot. But overall, speed-wise, uh, solid um, is what I have. Solid long speed. But he's also a very fluid athlete for his size. For a guy who's 6'3", 210, he does not move like that. He's got some wiggle to him. He can make guys miss in the open field. So he's a solid yak threat, too, which is not something you see a lot out of a guy that size. So the combination of the prototypical size and being a, a solid yak threat, I think, is going to be big for his game. Yeah, he's going to be that guy if he makes it in the NFL over the next 10 years that every time he's on like a primetime game, they talk about uh, Sammy and how they're related. <laughs> like it's going to be, yeah. it's like the, you know, did you know that, that, um, you know, Antonio Julius played basketball or Julian yeah. was a quarterback? Yeah, like that's going to yeah. be one of those, like, oh, is Sammy Watkins' cousin or whatever? Like that's yeah. going to be like the big thing they talk about with him. Um, no, I completely agree with everything you said. And I don't really have anything to add just because you pretty much covered it all. Um, I like seeing this is why I like the senior bowl. I like I would rather see these guys at the senior bowl than I would than Mac Jones and Devonta Smith and Najee Harris, who I know what they can do. Right. Like, okay, Mac Jones, maybe because he's been so surrounded by talent, but like Devonta Smith's had three different quarterbacks. He's lined up at receiver with 
Waddle and Mechie and Jude, like Judy and Ruggs and all these guys. Like, so we know like comparatively what he looks like. And Najee shared a backfield with all these guys too. Like we, so we comparatively, we know what these guys look like. I'd rather watch Austin Watkins who I have no idea. He could go out here and be awesome. I don't want him to get buried by one of these, these guys that I just, you know, he's already a first round grade or whatever. Like, and that's all we have to really say about that. Yeah. Well, I, I am a hundred percent with you there. I totally agree that I don't want to see guys like Devonta Smith and Najee Harris go to the senior bowl because you want to see some of these other guys break out. But I get why those guys are doing it this year, just because of the cancellation of the a lot of the offseason stuff and the uh, combine. So they want to get there and they want to get their interviews in and they want to, you know, get some measurables, some like legitimate measurables on there, especially probably uh, Devonta Smith. He's probably going to want to get weighed officially. Um, so that's probably something he's working on. But so I'm hoping that those guys don't compete there. Uh, I hope they let the other guys compete and that they mostly just do the interviews and the weigh-ins and stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. That's, that's a hundred percent. And I think, I think that's, that is what's happening. Um, Cause I think there's question marks as to either, whether either of those guys are like medically cleared to even do anything right. anyway. Um, what was I just going to say? Um, I, I, I get why Nagy wants them there too, though, because it yeah. does like raise the credibility and the legitimacy of that game, which like, that's that stock of that game was in the toilet like 10 years ago. They've done a great job yeah. of resurrecting that game and uh, breathing some life into something that people just didn't like. If you heard a guy went to the senior bowl like a few years ago, you didn't care at all. Now you're like, oh, like I want to watch practice. And I like it's a big deal if if like a lower rated guy ends up getting a senior bowl because they talk to the NFL. So if they get those like, you know, they get input from them, like it's kind of a sneak peek into what teams like are looking at this early in the process. Yeah, no, the uh, Nagy and his staff have done a fantastic job, like making that an off season staple. Like everybody looks forward to that now. And it's, they turn it into like a big event too. Like I know like a lot of the guys, a lot of like the scouts and a lot of even like, you know uh, what Matt Kelly went last year and he's not like a a football scout or anything like that, but he, Nagy makes it pretty easy to get credentialed. Um, So I think that, turns it into like a big event that a lot of people like to go to if they can and they like to you know follow some of their favorite analysts in general but fantasy analysts like matt kelly if he can get credentialed so they like to follow those guys and it just creates like a broader base overall and just kind of grew and grew and grew that uh you know the game in general so like i think they did a fantastic job with that yeah um, so the wide receiver that I that I put down here is another um, small school guy, but we talked about him last week in Dwayne Eskridge. Um, so I'm not going to like hammer that point home that much, except for that we talked about him. And then like all last week, everyone was talking about Dwayne Eskridge. And I was like, yeah. where, where did this come from? <laughs> like, um, I'm, I'm a big fan. I don't think I have to say like that much else about why I'm a big fan of his. Um, I think he's a guy that like the analytics aren't going to paint the whole story for him. And the film isn't going to paint the whole story for him. But He's a steal because if you understand and research the context as to why his numbers and everything are the way they are, then because they like they wanted him to play corner for a year because they got like depleted in the defensive secondary and that, that they thought they could spare a wide receiver. Um, so there, there are like surrounding circumstances as to why he's not an analytic darling. Um, but I think he can go there and 
um, show off his athleticism and have a really big week. I, I actually like almost suspect that he will. I think he'll dominate like the one V one drills, which is what makes everyone like, Ooh, and ah, like, you know, um, so that I, I, I think he's going to have a really nice week there. Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you there. I think he can have a really nice week and, you know, you, like you mentioned, you don't have that many gadgety guys that you like, um, in a class and, you know, he'll probably end up being your guy there and maybe he even outshines Tony as that type of a role too. I think he's like a little less gadgety than Tony though. Like, I think he can at least be used as a field stretcher or something. Like if Tony like, isn't doing the underneath stuff, like he has zero other value at all. You know what I mean? Like, so I, so I think Eskridge like yeah, I guess you lump him into that category, but I also think that he had like he's a little more versatile than like your typical like gadget guy in the sense that like he has more than one role. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that, but I mean, he's not he doesn't have like the size that Tony has, so like I think that's where he's going to fall into that gadgety role a little bit more because he's either field stretcher or underneath where I think Tony could develop into something more again, just because of his size. Well, he weighs more than Tony or as much as Tony. I'm pretty sure. I think Tony weighs like 193 and he weighs like 190. So, okay. I actually like, I mean, that's awesome. Like if you're five, nine, I hope you're 190. Cause then, you know, yeah. the, the, the BMI stands won't come after you. Um, <laughs> not, not a believer in that, but whatever. Yeah. I let people I think, have their fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand. And that's like a whole topic for another show, but I understand what BMI is trying to say in that it's basically just like the bigger guys who are like a little bit, the the guys who are a little bit bigger tend to be better, you know, like established for the NFL, like the small guys don't hit very often, you know, but I think that that's more correlate, like not, I don't think that's a strong correlation. I think it's just you know, just the NFL in general and the style of it. I think you could just look at guys weight and everything like that and be like, well, he's small. So I don't know if he's going to hit. So, yeah. but that's a topic for another day. I don't, BMI yeah. in general is junk. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for guys. Yeah. Like it wasn't created for a bunch of like superhuman six, three, like two fifty five dudes. Like it just, that's not what it's meant for. It's meant for like to, you know, you need to get your, your fat ass out of your office chair and like, you know, <laughs> do, 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 do something active or you're going to die by 60. Like that that's feels, what that feels direct. That feels directed right at me, by the way. Um, I think that was more like a pep talk for myself, actually. It's okay. Been, it's been a struggle. I think it worked as a pep talk for me too. I need to okay. get out of my office chair. Oh, so I'm glad I gave us both something that we needed then. I'm glad that, that I could do that for you. Um, so then players that we have that we think have the most to lose this week. We talked about Trask a little bit earlier. That was your guy. Did we, and we touched on why you think he has a lot to lose, right? Yeah, just more or less because it's such a jumbled cluster there after those top five guys for me that, you know, yes, he's at six right now, but I could see him tumbling down if Newman has a nice week and Mond has a nice week and Trask looks rough. I could see him dropping to, you know, QB nine, you know, so he has the most to lose for me where he could tumble down. But um, that's and I think that you could see that in the NFL draft, too. You know, I think that would kind of mirror that a little bit. Yeah, so I put Mac Jones down for this. I know we said that we weren't going to talk about those Bama guys in relation to like who our top guys there were. Um, but Mac Jones, I think, has a lot to lose because I think the big question mark that you consistently see people talk about with him is how does he do when separated from the talent at Bama? Because he has, a you know, the whole offensive line is like day one, day two picks. He's got Najee, he's got Devonta Smith, he's got Jalen Waddle. Like, 
he's just good studs at every single position. So people want to see him separate a little bit from that. Um, so a bad showing from him this week, I think like absolutely crushes his stock. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I mean, he's pretty solidified as my QB5, so I don't know if he's going to drop for me from a fantasy perspective, but I definitely could see that affecting his NFL draft stock where, um, you know, and I had a, a tweet the other day when, you know, when the Stafford news broke, how I think that, you know, you're probably going to see four quarterbacks go inside the top 10 now with just how many teams are so needy and how many teams are like that need a quarterback that are right in the back half of right in the back of the top half of the draft. So, you know, like nine, uh, you got the Panthers at eight, Denver at nine, um, the Patriots at 15. Um, and there's somebody else that's off the top of my head that I'm, I'm having trouble remembering right now, but you have like four guys there that I think are going to need to get up to get a quarterback. And then the one that doesn't get up to get one is probably looking at Mac Jones, where you're looking at him with the Patriots there potentially. And then you're starting to look at Washington and Chicago potentially. So I think he right now he's looked at as a first round quarterback because of the sheer need. But if he doesn't look good, you know, I could see him falling out of the first round, which would cost him a lot of money. Yeah, he's like, like I feel like teams that end up drafting him unless he looks really good this week, it's going to be like you ask like the really hot chick out to prom and she says no. And like you have to go with like your safety pick that like is not quite <laughs> as attractive. Um, and you're just kind of like disappointed. And like everybody knows like they weren't your first like everybody. You, know, you did like a public asking. So everybody knows that the other girl is like <laughs> your first pick. So like now she's like not happy and like you're obviously like. In your mind somewhere else <laughs> at the dance. This definitely never happened to me. But I was just gonna say, is that is that from personal experience there, or are you just like quoting a TV show? Like so surprising, TV surprisingly, show? no. But the more I talk about this, the more like it feels like a super real thing. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like I like I just don't think like any fan base or anything is like excited for Mac Jones. But if he no. goes out and plays really well this week, then maybe like that answers that question. I mean, I still have like arm strength questions and. Um, mobility questions a tiny bit. I think he's a little more mobile than like a Trask or someone like that. Yeah. Um, so, so I think there he there's going to be some questions asked, and I'm hoping that he answers them one way or the other. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you there. He definitely does have a, a lot to lose this week. Um, I think he can solidify his stock or he can drop it. I don't see him raising his stock from this performance. Yeah. Um, so running back wise, you put a Bama guy, you put Najee Harris as a guy that has the most to lose. Um, and that's, so. <laughs> that's more of a cop-out answer for me right now, because I was going to talk Trey Sermon and then we looked and you know, and now all of a sudden he's not going. Um, so, and, and so Najee would be my running back with the most to lose. And I don't necessarily know if he's going to play in the game or how much he's going to do in the drills. But the only reason he has the most to lose for me is because he's my RB1 in the class. So he can't go anywhere else. Um, but, you know, additionally, B uh, Bama had a dominant O-line, a lot of experience there. The Super Bowl or the Senior Bowl offensive line isn't is going to be good, but they're not going to have much time to gel. So you may see a little bit of, you know, miscommunication there. It's not going to be the best blocking. And I'm not saying he was a product of his blocking, but that definitely didn't hurt. Um, so, you know, you might see not the best performance there from him. And, you know, if he does disappoint, if he does play and he does do the drills and he disappoints, I think you're going to see him probably 
get jumped by ETN in a lot of people's a lot of people's rankings or even in the NFL drafts just because you know I think it's those two at the top and then it's kind of like the rest of the guys. So like I said, it's a little bit of a cop out answer, um, but it's mostly just because he doesn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, I don't even think he plays at all this week, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily think his stock's going to go either way. Um, no, I'm with you there. But these other guys, a lot of them are, are lower profile guys, so I don't know how much they necessarily have to lose in general. Yeah, the only guy that I think has like, um, well, so I put Khalil Herbert just because I want to see him like he really kind of caught lightning in the bottle this, this year in terms of his draft stock. So I think if he doesn't um, look as good as he did this past season this week, then I think um, he kind of starts to drop because of that, just like huge middle tier where it's just like 15 to 20 running backs that like are all like virtually the same. And there's going to be some very small things separating them. Um, so a bad week from Herbert, I think starts to knock him down toward the bottom of that grouping. But the only other guy that I looked at when I was looking at the list and I was like, if he plays like absolute crap, like he's just done, I think it's Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, that's true. I mean, just because of where he came from and you know, he's, if he doesn't look good, they're not going to look twice at, uh, at a guy from UL Monroe. Yeah. Yeah. Or so ULL. I think, ULL. Yeah. I think it's ULL. Yeah. So like that, that's really the only other guy, but I don't think there's like a, an obvious answer uh, to that. Um, and then you put you put another cop out answer. You put Devonta Smith. Um, <laughs> you act like you were traveling and, and working all weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, it was so it was uh, yeah a busier weekend for me this weekend. Um, but I, I do think Devonta Smith legitimately does have if again if he does participates in the drills and everything like that and and the game, I think he has a decent amount to lose because you're ta- you're hearing a lot of talk about him being you know a top what 10 top 15 NFL draft pick. Um, and I, you know, I think, you know, deservedly. So he had a really good year, obviously he won the Heisman and everything like that. But, you know, I don't think he's this bulletproof prospect that a lot of people are seeing. And if he goes out here and doesn't have a good showing, you know, I think that he could tumble in the draft and, you know, start to drop to, I don't know, at the end of the first, as opposed to the top half of the first, um, because, I mean, Jalen Waddle's going to be, you know, healthy. And if his medical checks out, I think you're going to see him start to climb back up as we get closer to the draft. You're going to see his name floated more. If, a, if there's somebody's looking for a bigger guy, you're going to see Bateman, you know, potentially creep into the back half of the first as well. If people start to catch back up on him, because what he opted out after a couple games, six games? Yeah, five games or six games. He missed like yeah. one game at the end of the year. Like it wasn't it, like. <laughs> I, I I get why he didn't play the last one, but I was like, why didn't you just like finish it? Yeah, out? yeah. So, but I think you'll see him start to kind of creep back up there. I think you'll see some other names start to get up into the conversation if he doesn't play well. Now, again, I don't know how much he's going to play. So, my other answer for this, that's a little less cop outy, would be Kadarius Tony, where if he doesn't show any development as a receiver and he really struggles to separate, and you know he doesn't look good outside of Florida's offense, I do think he could tumble. Yeah. Yeah. I put a Florida guy as well. I put Trayvon Grimes. Um, I'm just really not a big Trayvon Grimes guy. Um, I think he struggles to separate quite a bit. Um, I think he is very much the archetype of like a jump ball kind of receiver. And they're just like a bunch of other guys that I think fit that profile better than him in this year's draft. So like, you know, if, if a team is looking for that specific, um, skill set then I think he's in trouble because I have him like jump ball wise guys I have 
I have Seth Williams, who's my wide receiver eight. Then Tylen Wallace uh, kind of plays that role now. I don't think that's what he does in the NFL, but I have Tylen Wallace ahead of him. Um, Tamori and Terry can do a little bit of it. I have him ahead of, ahead of him. Brendan Eagles, Warren Jackson. I think DeMonte Coxie can play that role a little bit. Jonathan Adams Jr. Not a lot of guys are looking for, not a lot of teams are looking for jump ball guys. So if he's behind all those guys, then like you're is really starting to get down into slim pickings in terms of landing spots for him. Um, so a good week in terms of just like the technical areas of the game. Um, he really can't afford to make any mistakes this week, in my opinion. Um, because if he does, then I think he's just toast. The one thing, like, he's really, really big. He's listed at 6'5", 214, and he doesn't have, like, a huge frame, but I, like, we heard at that game last year about, like, Chase Claypool possibly trans like, switching to tight end, and, like, I, I'm surprised we haven't have heard a zero buzz so far about him switching positions. Um, because he is a decent athlete for his size. It's the same with um, who's this, uh, ben, this Ben Squaronek or whatever that's going from Notre Dame, who's like a Northwestern kid. Yeah, um, he's really big too. And so, like, I th- I wouldn't be shocked to hear some buzz about those two guys as like a possible positional switch as the week goes on. Yeah, I mean, I think with Grimes though, like when you're looking at a guy to move to tight end. You you want a guy to be, you know, two thirty probably for like a tight end spot, and I don't know if if Grimes can get there. I mean, Claypool, you know, he was a little bit bigger. You know, he's two thirty eight, so he's kind of right there. Whereas Grimes would have to put on like twenty pounds to even get close. So, I mean, I think you might see. Uh, he's just like you said. He's just kind of a guy that I'm I'm not really all that interested in overall. Uh, but if he moved to tight end, if he could put on 20 pounds, you know, that'd be more interesting to me with, if he could do it without losing athleticism. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then that's all I have to say about that. Um, so that is the show for tonight. Uh, guys, if you have not yet rated and reviewed the show on Apple podcast, please go ahead and do that. We have a final call here later this week to, uh, hopefully hammer out the last details here on this project that we have coming out very soon. Um, it's coming along really, really well. It's on the very final stages here. So we're very excited to, to be launching it here soon. Um, so again, if you guys don't remember the, or, or haven't listened to those shows, the prize, the, the, is a, uh, signed JK Dobbins Jersey. And to enter, all you have to do is rate, review the podcast and send us a picture of you doing so, uh, like a screenshot, not like, you know, like an actual picture of you doing, it. um, <laughs> if you, you want to send like, a picture of us doing it too, I mean, you can, we're, we're probably just going to delete it, but you know, that's it, fine. It would make me laugh, to be honest. Like if someone sent me an actual picture of them doing it. Um, So put your name in there twice if you can make us laugh with it. So uh, yeah, so you can. And then when you do that, take a picture and message it to one of us Uh, on Twitter. I'm at Debbie Dietz. Colin is at Campus Two Canton. The number two in the middle, or we have an email address, Campus Two Canton at gmail.com. Same as as Colin's Twitter handle. Um, Other than that, I don't have anything to add. Uh, Colin, do you have anything to add here? Nope. Just, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep sticking with us here. I know we've been teasing the, the big project for a while, you know, since pretty much the very beginning of our podcast here, but it's really finally starting to come together. Uh, and that was what I was doing a lot of work on here this weekend, just putting some finishing touches on it. Um, obviously we're hoping to launch that here this week, maybe the weekend, but sometime very soon. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so until Thursday, uh, when we come out with our Canton Bound episode, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And uh, go Chiefs. <laughs>